you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. John chapter 10 and verse number 10 will be my text this morning. John chapter 10 and verse number 10. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus says, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. These are powerful and comforting words that I feel the Lord would have me use to talk to you about this morning. Lord, I pray your comfort over this congregation this morning. Let encouragement come. Let strength come. Lord, I pray your blessings over every person in this house today. I pray your strength over every person in this house today. Show yourself in a real and a power, powerful way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. You can be seated. The Bible is full of comforting words. I forgive. It is finished. The battle is not yours, saith the Lord. You can take comfort in so much of this holy word that has been given to us. But none is greater than the words that Jesus spoke when he said, I am come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. What incredible comfort we find in the fact that Jesus says, I've come for a purpose, and that purpose that I've come is to give you life and give you more abundant life. When you are going through the most difficult days of life, know this. The Lord is not trying to take life from you. Because His very purpose for coming is to give life to you. 
and not just to give you life because everybody around you has life, but he said, I have come that they may have life more abundantly. Meaning through the power of the Holy Ghost, there is a life that is better than the best life that you can have living in this world. That's why I choose to serve God. It's the best life. It's the more abundant life. It's the life better than a good life. It is the more abundant life. And Jesus says, this is the purpose for which I have come. The people in Jesus' day seemed to struggle with the identity of Christ. It was as if he, they thought that he was trying to conceal his identity and to keep it a secret from them when actually the opposite was true. Jesus continually tried to explain who he was to them, but they struggled to comprehend that God could become man. They thought he was man trying to make himself God. But in all reality, he was God making himself man. In the book of John, each of the first ten chapters offer a glimpse into the deity of Christ. John 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And that Word became flesh and dwelt among them. In John chapter 2, he talks about the temple. But they didn't know that he actually was not describing a temple. But he was talking about himself. John chapter 3, he says, Nicodemus, marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. In John chapter 4, he talks about water at a well to a woman. But he said, if you knew who it was that asked of you to give me a drink, you would ask of me and I would give you living water. He wasn't talking about water that could come out of the well, but he was talking about the power of the Holy Ghost. In John chapter 10, they said, how long will you be with us until you tell us plainly who you are? Jesus said, I and my father are one. They pick up stones and begin to stone him and say, you, being a man, are trying to make yourself God. Misunderstanding that he was God, enrobing himself in flesh and making himself man so that he could come and save the world, so that he could give the world life and give them life more abundantly. Today, many people say they know Jesus, but we have received a revelation of who Jesus Christ really is. When we fail to recognize Him in the real power of His deity and His humanity, we deny that He has the power to reign over things of heaven and over things of earth. God is not just a God of the heavenlies, but he also is a God of the earthly. 
he made, he brought himself down from the heavenly and made himself earthly to live among us, to bleed and to die, to feel every pain, to deal with every temptation, to go through everything that you and I deal with today. When you think that you are going through something and nobody could possibly know where you are, how you feel, or what you're going through, I come this morning to remind you that Jesus Christ has already been through it, already paid the price for it, already come out the other side victorious. He knows where you are. The God of heaven came to earth to prove to us that he is the God of both heaven and the God of earth not just the creator of earth but he rules over earth and he rules over the pain and he rules over the frustration and he rules over the worry and he rules over every sickness and he rules over everything you deal with mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. He knows. And he said, I didn't just come he said, there is an enemy out there. He comes to take everything from you. He comes, and when the enemy comes, he comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. He said, but I, I come that you might have life and that you might have life more abundantly. I rise to this pulpit today to tell this congregation there is a life above a good life for you. You may be blessed. You may have finances. You may have wealth. You may even have good health. You may have a great family. But there is something above life. It is a more abundant life that can only be found in Jesus Christ. He has all power. All power was given to him. If I could persuade you today that God truly has power to do anything that you can imagine, anything that you think. That's what the scripture said. Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we're able to ask or think. Unto him be all praise and honor and glory and majesty forever. Amen. I come this morning to tell you that if you would become truly persuaded that God truly has power to do anything. Miracles would happen all over this building. Miracles would happen in your life because according to your faith, so be it unto you. Just before the ascension, Jesus Christ de declared himself and said all power. In Matthew 28, 18, he said all power. Everybody say all power. Everybody say all power. I want you to get that in your mind this morning. All power. Come on, shout it. All power. Jesus said all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. He didn't just hold the power in heaven, but he also holds the power over earth. He also maintains the control, the authority. He has all power over the heavenlies and all power over the earthly. There is no place for the enemy of your soul to maintain power because Jesus declared all power. Not part of power, not a, not a minuscule, all power. Everybody say all power. 
The devil doesn't have power over you. Jesus has all power in the heavenlies and here on earth. The enemy can't bring something onto you that the Lord does not release and allow him to be able to come in just to prove your faith. But he still maintains all power. Everybody shout all power. That's a comforting word. All power. One of the greatest truths of Scripture is that God has unlimited power. When the disciples asked Jesus about a statement that he made about the rich being saved, he said, with man, it's impossible. He said, with man, it's impossible. But with God. Ah. But with God. Everybody say, but with God. Come on, I want you to get some of these comforting words in your mind this morning. But with God. Everybody shout, but with God. But with God, all things are not part, not most, all. Everybody say all things. All things are possible. All things. We notice the same type of statement made in Genesis 18 and 14. God is revealing to Abraham that he will be the father of a nation at the ripe old age of 100. And Sarah now at the age of 90 laughs at what God says. And God asks them the rhetorical question, is anything too hard for the Lord? In case you don't know, that question is just rhetorical. There is comfort to find in that word right there. Is anything too hard for the Lord? I want you to look at your neighbor and I want you to ask them that rhetorical question this morning. Is anything too hard with the Lord? Is anything too hard with the Lord? There's comfort in that because you and I already know that there is nothing that is impossible with him. With man, there are impossibilities. But with God, there are only opportunities for him to show up in his power and in his might. The assumption when we read that rhetorical question, in fact, is that God waited, it appears, so that he could make the point very clear to Abraham. Our God is the God of impossible situations. That's what he's saying. Is anything too hard for the Lord? He's saying, I'm the God of things that are too hard for you. Hmm. He's saying, I'm the God that rules over the things that you are frustrated with. I'm the God that rules over the things that are too hard for you, for the things that keep you up at night, for the things that stress you, for the things that make you worry about what tomorrow or next week or next month or next year is going to look like. But he says, I am the God. I am the God that rules over it. I'm the God of that impossibility. When you look at something and you say, it is impossible, you need to finish that and say, it is impossible without God. You need to add a without God to your impossible. It is impossible without God. But with God, all things are possible. The 
these types of statements about the unlimited power of God are made all throughout the scripture in both the Old and the New Testaments. In Psalm 135, it tells us that God does what he pleases in the heavens. We don't have any problem with that. He's the God of heaven. But I'm trying to preach into your spirit today that he's the God of earth. I'm trying to get you some comfort this morning to know that he's not just the God of heaven and says you're going to be comforted when we all get to heaven, when we all get over there. But he, I'm trying to preach to you this morning that he's the God of help and the God of comfort right where you are in the situation you're in. He says, I am the God of heaven. And I do, Psalm 135 verse 6, I do what I please in heaven and in the earth. And he goes on, in case you question, when he says in the earth, he says also in the seas, in the depth of the seas. So when you think your situation, I don't think that he, of course, he is the God that rules into the depth of the sea. He rules not only the earth, the crust of the earth, but he rules the inner workings of the earth. He's in control of the volcano. When science thinks they have God figured out, he's beyond them. Science can only reach so far with their telescopes and only see so far. God sees on, on beyond that. Science can only go so far into the inner parts of the earth and they say that's as far as we can go because of the heat. But God can see all the way through. The medical field can look at you and say it appears that we're going to practice medicine on you and it appears that this is what it is and this is how it's going to turn out and this is what the outcome is. But God looks and smiles and says, I made the body. I put all of that sinew and tissue and blood and chemicals together. I see what they can't see. When it's impossible with them, Somebody shout, it's still possible. Isaiah chapter 43. Verse 13 says that God acts and nobody can reverse it. I like that. Nobody can reverse it. One of the most frustrating things in the world is to have people work against you. You know what I'm talking about. You know, you ever have that boss at work that works against you? Don't say anything, Dylan, not another thing. You know, somebody, one of your superiors is working against you. You do something positive and they get the credit for it. You move something to the right place, they move it to the wrong place and blame it back on you. They try to take what you do for good and they try to turn it for evil. That's what the enemy is here to do. He comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But Isaiah 43 says, I'm God, and what I do in your life, there's not a soul in the universe that can reverse it. Oh, I feel my help coming today. He said, as a matter of fact, when you're in the hand of God, no man can take you out. 
Somebody tries to form formulate some doctrine that it's impossible to backslide and it's impossible to be lost. You need to get in the scripture if you believe that because the scripture teaches us that we can frustrate the grace of God, that we can build again the things that we once destroyed. The scripture's full of things that tells us that it's not, that scripture's not at all dealing with, with, with the impossibility of ever sinning and ever going back. It's not dealing with that at all. But what it is dealing with is the fact that man, you, you can blame it on man, but man can't take you out of the hands of God. I've had people tell me, well, pastor, I would serve the Lord, but you know, I've got this and this and this. You're using excuses that aren't good for anybody. The Bible said nobody, nothing can take you out. One writer said, I'm persuaded that neither life nor death nor powers nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor any other creature can separate you from the love of God. I come this morning to try to tell somebody you can blame it on who you want to. If you backslide, don't blame it on your spouse, it's your fault. If you backslide, don't don't blame it on your neighbor. It's your fault. No man can get you out. What God does in your life, no man can reverse. If it's reversed, it's because you choose to reverse it. But there is not a soul on this planet that can reverse what God does for your life in your life. God can speak blessing over you this morning and I want you to know today that what God blesses, man will never be able to curse. What God establishes, nobody can, can, can ever turn it around. Some of you sacrificed and gave this morning. Some of you did some things. We only do this to our guests. We don't do this every week, but we did this today. But God saw. He saw the thought and intent of the heart. He looked into the depth. He knows who sacrificed in this room today. Some of you sacrificed deeply, gave what you didn't have because you want to see the mission of go forward. And God says, I've got a blessing for you. And somebody says, ah, I'm going to find a way to curse that. I'm going to find a way to stop that. I'm going to find a way to block that. But Isaiah tells us that when, that when God chooses to bless you, man will never be able to stop it, prevent it, reverse it, or turn it around. In, da in Daniel chapter 4, God does what he wills. All of these point to the source that God has unlimited power. In fact, the Bible declares this truth over and over again, so this should be an encouraging and a comforting word to us that whatever God says will come to pass. This kind of God is worthy of all worship and all praise because he's a God that cannot fail. So God is all-powerful. God is ruler over all, both in the heavens and in the earth. So God that rules the heavenly and God that rules over the earthly has power in of himself. He doesn't rely upon anything or anyone to find his power. You can try all sorts of things. Kind of strange. Pardon me for digressing a moment today. We were warned before my wife began her journey and the battle 
she has been dealing with for the last three months. That there would be all sorts of Facebook oncologists that would come with all the answers. Thankfully, we were warned. Everybody's got the remedy, the cure, the fix. The last three weeks have been increasingly hard on my wife. We spent most of the day Friday, all the day Friday, in the hospital with her, struggling, dealing with pain, frustrated. A lot of people have the answer. A lot of people start saying, well, if you'll just eat more celery, God will fix it all. Do this, do that. They try to find a way for us to be able to skirt around the problems, and it's well-meaning. And I'm, I'm making a little light of it this morning. Sometimes you just need to laugh a little bit. The doctor practices. Sometimes they get it right. Sometimes they don't get it too right. But there's some things that we just can't figure out. My wife reached the halfway point. They told her, it's now time for us to change medications. You've made it through the hard part. and Now we're getting ready to change it and you're going to go to a new medication that's not going to be as hard on you. <laughs> they changed medicine. The doctor looked at her and said, I have never seen this before. Most people struggle with the first medication and do well with the second. You did well with the first, now you're struggling with the second. He said, we've got to figure out a new course, new course of action. We're not sure what's going to happen. So the doctors are contemplating, putting their heads together, doing their research, thinking through, trying to decide what it is they're going to do. While in the middle of it, we're being inundated with people giving us the cures and the remedies. And none of us can really figure things out. The doctor stood in the hallway with my wife and I Friday and he said, well, we've got to figure this out before next week. We may do this. We may do that. We may try this. Or we may try that option. And he gave two or three different scenarios of what we may try, directions we may go, what we may be able to do. Because we don't really understand the human body. Some people respond this way and somebody else responds this way. So we've got to take your response and how your body's responding. We've got to do what's best. And we're going to do that. And so she'll be seeing the doctor this week for them to tell her, how she's going to go forward with the treatment. They may have to reduce the medication. They may have to extend the time with the lower doses. So they're, they're putting together ideas 
of how her body would be able to handle this horrible, horrible chemical that they are pumping into her body. A lot of people think they have answers. Phone calls have come in. Text messages have come in. Do this. Stand on your head in the corner. Three hours every morning. Makes blood rush to your head. Then jump up on your feet. Stand on your tiptoes. Turn four cartwheels. Cancer's gone. If it would be so easy, everybody would do it. So we wonder. We try to figure it out. In the middle of this, the thief comes in. Somebody said that the devil caused that cancer. Sin caused cancer in the beginning. Before sin, there was no disease. Sin in the garden allowed pain and disease to come. I don't mean sin in my wife's life. It came upon all humanity. And so we all suffer now. We earn our living by the sweat of our brow. We deal with thorns and thistles now. And we struggle in life and have hardships. We try to figure out what's going on. What are we going to do? We don't really know. This much we do know. That before she ever got there, God already knew the path. He already knew the way she should go. He already knew the way she should take. When she started this and she stood in this pulpit to tell you about her struggle, she made a statement to you, I'm not going to ask the why, but, but I'm going to ask the who. Not why is this coming to me, but who is this for? She told me this week, I already have two names on my list of the who. We took her into the hospital room. She was weak, trembling, in pain, in agony. Sitting there trying to get help herself. A lady came in in much worse shape than her. Sit across from her. She was in horrible shape. She sit there alone. My wife has a great support system. Family, church, friends all over the country. People praying. This little lady was sitting over there by herself. You could see by the look on her face the anguish that she was in. The pain that she was in. My wife pulled herself up to the edge of the chair. And she made her way up. And she was feeble. And she wasn't walking strong. And she wasn't the normal Sister Jordan that you see here at the church. And she shuffled her feet across the room. And I saw a couple of the nurses looking at her like, what is she doing? She didn't ask for permission. She walked across to the other side of that room. She knelt down by a little lady that's sitting there in pain and worse shape than her. And she said, I don't know your name, but I'm not here today because of me. The Lord allowed me to go through this today, but I'm here today because of you. And she began to testify to her. And she said, I feel something for you right now. She began to speak faith over her. She took that lady by the hand and began to pray over her. And the power of the Lord began to move right there in that room. Tears began to flow down that lady's face. We walked in Friday. 
The second time that we went in not understanding, we went in. She was in horrible shape. Cheryl had called me. She said, I'm calling 911. So they had come to rush her to the ER. And I said, I'm seven minutes away. I'll be there. I might have broken the speed limit trying to get home. Ran into the house, grabbed things as quickly as we could, put her in the vehicle. Rushed her to Indianapolis. Got her in. They hooked her up to all sorts of different medications and things trying to help her. And she sat there. She couldn't get up. She couldn't get out of her chair. But she looked over at another little lady that's sitting over there. And she said, how long have you been in treatment? The lady could hardly look. She opened her eyes, began to try to talk. Her husband began to talk. Her situation much, much worse than my wife's. My wife began to talk to her. The Holy Ghost began to move in. They began to weep. She began to witness and talk to them. That lady got up and left and she said, Now after this treatment, I'm on my way for a spinal tap. They're getting ready to put chemo straight into my spinal column. My wife said, Before you go, can I pray for you? She prayed over her. She reached in her purse and pulled out one of these prayer cloths. She said, would you like to have a prayer cloth? That lady and man began to weep. And she said, yes, please, let me have that. Let me take this with you. My wife, the last thing she said walking out, prayer works. Prayer works. Prayer works. I've got your name on my prayer request list. Prayer works. People... When we think God doesn't know where we are, He knows because He rules over the heavenly and He rules over the earth. The enemy came and wanted to kill and steal and destroy, but Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I came to comfort somebody. Get on your feet. I'm closing. I came to help somebody this morning and tell you today it doesn't matter where you are and what you're going through. Stop looking around and looking for defeat and start looking for a God that is on your side. He's for you. He's not against you. He's working things in your favor. When the report comes back that things are getting worse, just look the devil in the face and say you're not in charge. God is the final word. God is still in charge. I feel the ministry spirit of the Holy Ghost in this room. All over this building right now, lift up your hands all over the place. I'm going to open these altars right now. Thank you for responding already. We're going to pray over a very important need this morning. I didn't know why. I didn't know why that God put this message in my heart until I was standing on the front row today and Dylan slipped over to where I was to share, me, to share with me the story. We need a miracle in a life right here this morning. There's others in this room that you've been questioning. I want you to come. we got plenty of room here in the front. You can come together with your family. If somebody in this building needs prayer right now, I want you to make your way to the front of this room. You need a miracle in your life. God not only rules over the heavenlies, but he rules over the things of the earth. That's right. Come right on up. Come right on up. Other needs this morning. Make your way here to the front of this room. All over this building, hands raised. Let's turn this house into a prayer room. God's bigger than cancer. God's greater than cancer. 
The enemy would like to show up in the midst of your problem today and kill your faith, destroy your faith. But the Lord has come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. The first thing we're going to do today is pray over these needs that are gathered in this room. There's people coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. Bring in your need with you. Just keep coming. Find your way. We've got room all over the building. Keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. God's going to do a miracle in this house today. God's going to do a miracle. Keep coming. If you're here today and you don't know him and the power of the Holy Ghost, it belongs to you. I'm opening these altars right now. Make your way to the front. Come join these that are here right now. God is bigger than every sickness and every disease. He rules over the impossible situation. He's the God that's able. Oh, now everybody in the room participating, would you just lift a hand or stretch a hand forward? There's some very serious needs that are gathered in the front of this room right now. There's some very serious needs in this house right now. Thank you. I need some people. That, I need some ministers working this morning. Help me today. In the name of the Lord. Come on, that's it. Turn this house into a prayer room. And a preacher with a word of comfort for you today to tell you he's in charge. God's in charge. 